Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Search for Tomorrow podcast. I'm really excited about our guests today. They've been recommended by quite a few people. They're in the Edmonton area, and I love to interview some people that are outside of my area, like people that I wouldn't have known if it wasn't for like their success or like the networking that they've established. And so I have with us today uh, Andrew Trainer or uh, Andrew with no E, one, two, three, two on Moto. And they recently, I guess it's not that recent, but they top-aided uh, the face-to-face -to -face tour in Edmonton and came second in the one in Regina. And that's quite a bit of results considering there's only been like a handful of tournaments, big tournaments in Canada since uh, the pandemic restrictions have went down and tournaments have come back. So I thought they were kind of a great person to bring on the podcast because they were previously, I'd say, relatively unknown. And I think they're kind of just like slamming their name out there with results, which is one of the hardest ways to get your name out there because you have to keep performing, but they just keep performing. And so eventually you have to bring them on the podcast. And so yeah. I guess I just want to start, Andrew. Uh, why don't you introduce a little bit about yourself, like even outside of Magic, just who's Andrew Trainer? Uh, oh, gosh, outside of Magic? There's not a ton, <laughs> but I, I'm currently working at an LGS. Uh, I'm a computer science major. Um, and yeah, I, I play a lot of magic. Um, okay, well, let's just get into the, the magic journey then. So like, how long have you been playing magic for? I've been playing since Magic Origins was my first set. Um, so six years, seven, something like that. Um, my cousin introduced me to the game just like at his kitchen table um just very casual at the start right as most people are uh, i quickly moved on to drafting at my lgs um and really just like kind of enthused by the game and really wanted to start learning and getting better um and so I, I really just, I drafted for a long time. Um, and eventually I, I started doing some winning and building up store credit. Um, my, my store had a system where, you know, if you XO, you basically made more credit than you spent on the entry. Um, so I kind of, I built up a ton of store credit and bought decks that way, right? Kind of poor high school kid, right? Um, and, you know, I eventually kind of wanted a little bit more, right? So I wanted, I went to a couple PPTQs um, here and there. I, I played a face-to-face -face or two um, when, they, when it came to Edmonton. Um, yeah, I, I really started out just at the LGS and just kind of making friends and having fun, but always with that drive to get a little better yeah it's a pretty cat like a normal pipeline right it's like someone introduces you to the game you go to the store to draft because that's the format you don't need any cards for and you already understand the game from playing kitchen table or whatever mm -hmm. and then from there you see other people at the store and you're like oh they keep talking about standard or they keep talking about i guess pioneer now or modern and you kind of just the itch you just want to keep going because you like the game so much like that's how i started completely exactly the same someone had a deck like a vampire deck i played some mono green deck i started showing up to draft and then from there i like 
opened a couple of Jace the Mind Sculptors and just built a standard deck. Yeah. So it's a pretty normal path. When do you, like, are you a normally a competitive person? Um, I would say now I am. Um, I, I started in kind of gaming with Warhammer. Um, and I started not particularly competitively, but really just looking to play something strategical, strategic, and kind of flex my brain muscle a little bit. Uh, and after I left Warhammer, I was kind of introduced to magic. Um, and like whenever, I guess whenever I played board games with my family, with friends, right? I always, I did always want to win. Um, but magic really was the first real competitive thing that I pursued. Okay. And when, what, at what point would you consider yourself like you were a competitive magic player now? Like your goal was to win events, not necessarily just like mess around. Um, that definitely happened over the pandemic. Um, so 20, 2019, I guess, uh, I went away from home for school uh, and I decided to download MTGO because I wanted to play Magic, but there was no LGS in that area. Um, and I started with just Popper decks playing Popper. Um, but once the pandemic hit, I came home and I decided I still want to play Magic and I want to ramp it up a little bit. So I bought Inverter into Pioneer um, and I decided to play a bunch with that. So I played leagues, I played prelims, I played a challenge here or there. Um, I amassed enough qualifier points to play uh, a couple of showcases. And so I, I got a rental service to play like the modern one or whatever. Um, so now I have a rental service, I have a good pioneer deck and I, I found a group of people uh, online they called themselves we call ourselves still the empty Cabal. um it's really just a bunch of friends now it is it's a bunch of friends just kind of hanging out playing magic we all have a common interest but we do we played a bunch of among us at one point we've played uh golf with friends um but they they really inspired me to become more competitive uh, right. I saw all of them succeeding in different events and just crushing constantly. Um, and so I really, I wanted to kind of emulate that and yeah, and kind of follow that path a little bit. So I, I started, you know, grinding challenges and PTQs and prelims, um, right. And it's, it's locked down, right. There's nothing going on. So I have tons of time. Um, and yeah, I basically just sit in a discord call and play these events all the time. Uh, and eventually I started doing some winning too. Um, right. But it, it takes time to, uh, to go from that drive to that success. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I started the podcast was sort of for people like your story in a sense where, I feel like you're the quality of player that 
will consistently do well in these Canadian events, but people might not necessarily know who you are yet because you've been like built up during the pandemic or you've like honed your skills during the pandemic and become like a high quality player during that. And it, one of the reasons I started it is just because I was so impressed with a bunch of the Zoomers and thinking that no one would ever know who they are because they're just moto players. So we're going to show up to these tournaments and they're going to lose to these people they've never heard of. And I just kind of wanted to highlight people like that. And I think you're a great example of that is like, I bet when you show up to this, like uh, let's say the Edmonton one or Regina, there's a lot of players there who've been playing magic a long time from that area who might not know who you are. And I guess you kind of showed them by top eighting both events. And I think, I think it's pretty crazy that there's just so many great players out there because the pandemic did offer people that resource of time where they could really pour themselves into magic and like get really good at magic. And it's really cool to me to see you top eighting all these events. And then like a bunch of people are telling me, you got to have Andrew on, you got to have Andrew on. And it's like, like that kind of support for, for a player is pretty impressive. Do you, did you feel like, do you know like the old players of like Alberta and like uh, BC or the people who come over and stuff like that, or were you sort of like on your own with your moto community? Um, so I knew some of them, uh, mostly just in passing, right? Um, I, I've played a lot in Edmonton previously before the pandemic, right? So I I knew of people and I knew their names and I've met them, but we weren't weren't really friends or close or anything, right? Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't super competitive at that time, right? I played, I played some competitive events, but I never, never really won anything or went on a big streak, right? Um, closest I came was in GP Calgary. I had, I, I played the Friday PTQ, um, and I actually got second place there against uh, Sean Dollywall. Uh, won the event. Uh, looks like that's a name you recognize. Uh, and I, a lot of people have told me, yeah, that's a good player. Um, right. But I had, I had no idea who he was at the time. Um, yeah, Sean is like, like a super high quality player. Uh, the last two paper pro tours we tested together for both of them. And he's, he's extremely good. One of the best players around. Yeah, for sure. Um, so at the time I felt that loss was really hard, right? Uh, that was a that was a plane ticket, I believe, to Barcelona that I missed out on, um, and I was I I was very close to winning that match too. Uh, one of the plays I most regret was not casting Surgical Extraction on my own Arc Lake Phoenix, which is kind of a funny play, but in response to your opponent's Surgical, when you have two Phoenixes in hand, it's, it's the correct one, and it probably would have won me the game. Um, Right, but I was a little inexperienced at the time. I felt really under pressure. Right, there was a huge crowd around, um, and I missed it. Right. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, during the Is It Phoenix era, I lost two finals and two top fours. <laughs> yeah, at at GPS, it was like the. So for me, it was for a pro tour London, mm -hmm. at least, and uh, two of my best friends in the whole world were qualified for the same pro tour. And I lost in the finals twice trying to qualify with them. So I, I know what it feels like to kind of be really close and not quite get there. 
And the first couple times, it really stings, especially if you feel like you could have gotten there or maybe you made a mistake. Like, I know the first couple finals I lost, I was not near the player I am today. And I feel like in retrospect, like I must have gotten pretty lucky to even be in that position, but it still, it still hurts. Yeah, it, it really stings, especially the first time, like you said. Um, yeah, it it's tough out there. Um, right in the competitive events are ruthless. People will, right? There are good players out there who will take advantage of your misplays all the time. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I completely agree. So is that the closest you've come to qualifying for a Pro Tour then? Um, for an actual Pro Tour? Yes, I qualified for the Strixhaven Championship, uh, and I played that event. Uh, yeah, I qualified. Those, those count to me. Those are pro tours. Yeah, so you, yeah. I, I like to them. count it. Some people don't, so they're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I I appreciate that. Um, yeah, that event was fantastic. Uh, I qualified playing rogues in standard, which I I personally think is like the deck that I dominated the most with. Um, I won two standard challenges. I top aided tons more. Um, and yeah, I, I, I played, I qualified through the qualifier, the magic arena qualifier weekend. Um, and I qualified for that by playing the SCG PTQ and going X2. Um, so it's actually, it's a really kind of convoluted path because the SCG, the SCG tournament structure was you had to qualify for the PTQ in the two or three days before. So I played qualifiers for that, x 2 that, qualified for day one of the qualifier weekend, 7 0 that, and then on day two, I started 0-2. This was the qualifier weekend where they accidentally allowed people to register historic decks as well as standard decks. Uh, so about a couple hours in or whatever, they reset everybody's um, records. So I went from 0-2, from an 0-2 start to a clean slate. And I 7-0'd from there. Um, it's just a really fortunate turn That's of events. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. What yeah. a what a what a sick run of events. Arena has, has some faults, but like sometimes it does it does you good. Oh yeah. Some that of the arena events crazy. some of the arena events over the pandemic were fantastic. Uh and it's it's kind of sad to see a lot of them go in favor of paper tournaments, right? Yeah, I played I've only played a couple. I played like a community gaming event and I played a Red Bull. And the Red Bull was crazy. Like it was long. It was like quite a bit of money on the line and it was those were sweet events and so was your rogues in like the saltai ultimatum era uh yeah so this was this was kind of right before i actually like knew about you because you came on kind of after i stopped playing a bunch of rogues and you started crushing with saltai ultimatum in the standard challenges um, if I remember yeah, correctly. I, yeah, I, t I took a, a year break from Magic and came back and couldn't not top eight a single event. Yeah. How, how many did you top eight in a row? It was absurd at one point, right? Uh, I top eighted nine of ten, and I top eighted six challenges in a row. 
Yeah, that that was Win- crazy. I won three of those as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. So I, I was I was like that, right. It was insane. That. Yeah, I was wondering if it was the same era because I remember Rogues was like one of those things where it was on and off in popularity and it was like sort of a bad matchup and it like always dictated how popular rogues was like, do I play four Pelucranos? Do I play two? Yeah. And often I ended up at four at the end, almost all the time mm-hmm. because of the rogues matchup. That's sick though. The rogues deck is really powerful. And also just like, it's like one of those, it's a, the tempo deck thing where like, sometimes it looks unbeatable. Sometimes you're like, this, this deck looks really bad. It's just kind of the the thing with those decks. Like when they get their sequence and they get ahead, oh my gosh, is it punishing? Yeah, uh, mono red and the red black Croxa decks were the bad matchups uh, because they played like five to more escape cards post sideboard, um, and so they just had infinite fuel as you were milling them. And Oxvagonus is a huge beating. Um, and also yeah, just that like card's the... disgusting against yeah. Rogues, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the aggressive nature of the mono red deck too was really tough. Um, so I, I remember playing a challenge and being in a call with uh, Karate Dom Dominic. Um, when we were both on Rogues at the time, um, and I played against Red Black round one, and we just both go, "Oh come on, there's not that many Red Black players in this tournament, right?" Uh, and I somehow like battle back and win. And then round two, I get paired against Red Black again. And I somehow battle back and win. <laughs> and I get paired into Mono Red. <laughs> it's just like, I don't That was just, it, it was brutal sometimes playing Rogues, right? Like Feast and Famine. Yeah, it was funny. I remember from my point of view, always playing the Saltai Ultimatum deck in those tournaments. I'm like, oh my god, I'm playing against Blackrod. I can't possibly lose. It's like, it doesn't matter what I do. Yeah, yeah. Blackrod was like not a fantastic deck. It was kind of low popularity um, because it lost to some of the major decks pretty badly, but it it crushed Rogues, which was did not make me happy, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So so do you feel like your breakout was sort of that era, like getting to be like a more well-known moto player or would you consider like these live events to be like your breakout, your pinpoint of putting yourself on the map? Uh, I, I would consider playing rogues to be my moto breakout. Yes. Um, but not everyone follows moto, right? Not everyone cares about a standard challenge that happened in the middle of the pandemic. Um, so these these paper events are a big push for me as well. Uh, yeah. So what are your goals in Magic? Like how far are you looking to take it? Like are you taking it very seriously? Are you just trying to qualify for some Pro Tours or are you going hard? Um, I would like a trophy to put on my shelf. Doesn't matter what kind, I'd like a trophy. Um, and yeah, the, the Strict Seven Championship that I played was such a fantastic experience. Um, I played against some really great players. I played against Andre Strosky, like at his peak when he was crushing everything. Um, I played against Brad Nelson for my winning in uh, for day two. Um, and I got to play against Yuta Takahashi in a rogues mirror. Um which was 
phenomenal match to lose. <laughs> like I was thrilled to play that, even though I lost. Right. Yeah, I do. I do wish I kind of got to play one of the arena set championships, but I took that. I took that break, and then also like uh, I just didn't. I don't know. I didn't want to try that hard, and I feel like part of it was like the insecurity of myself, knowing that like I'll probably not qualify because like I'd lost like a lot of my edge after taking a year off. I felt like even with all the standard challenge stuff, like I did not feel like I was the player before. I think I, I've got that back now, but I feel like part of the reason I didn't go hard for it was honestly like I was afraid to care and miss. So honestly, that's it's like a weird thing with magic. But uh so who did you test for the Pro Tour with? Uh so I found a team. I was invited by one of the Zoomers actually, uh, to a team. Um mostly headed by uh alpha frog and i'm forgetting his real name but that's his that's his online handle it's gavin um, thompson the frog yes thank you um gavin um and i i tested i basically had my standard deck locked down from day one right i was gonna play rogues um so i tested a lot of historic uh and i ended up playing is it phoenix uh, and I tested a lot. We thought Is It Phoenix would be the most popular deck at the tournament for the historic portion. Um, and so I tested the mirror a ton with uh, Vinny, um, Vinny MTG on Twitter, I believe. And we we played a ton of that mirror match. Uh, and kind of our main conclusion was that Mystical Dispute was the best card. Um, and so we decided to main deck a bunch of those and max out on the full four. But we tried so many different plans. We tried like Niv Mizzets. We tried Planeswalkers. Um, we tried, we tried like uh, what's the blue red enchantment that makes a fairy whenever you draw your second card from Throne of Eldraine? Uh, Improbable Alliance. There we go. Yeah, that's it. I'll yeah, <laughs> uh, we tried that card out, right? And it's just none of them quite proved to be good enough, but. Yeah, we, we tested a lot, and we came to very similar, if not the same, 75. Um, that was that was a fantastic testing experience with him. Yeah, you learn a lot testing for a Pro Tour. Like, I think I felt like some of the most valuable, like, experiences I've gotten were testing for, like, various events. Like, when I qualified uh, for the World Magic Cup, testing with like team Canada and team uh, Costa Rica, just like this super like regimented testing style, all run by uh, John Stern, like everything, lots of notes every day. You have to like have a team meeting, have a conclusion on like some questions we've asked each other that day. And I've had that. And then like went to testing for the other pro tours where it felt like I was sort of, spearheading a lot of the organization of everything just because like i'm a bit older than everyone more response more responsible honestly just and yeah those experiences are just so great and like i when you lock in like a good deck and like post tournament you're like yeah maybe we could have found like a couple cards to make our list better but we played a good deck like that feeling <clears throat> is amazing and that's kind of how like my last two pro tours went is like I played blue black inverter and pioneer at the pioneer pro tour and 
like maybe we made a little bit of a mistake. We main decked a bunch of collective brutalities for the mirror and mono red. Maybe that was wrong, but I just thought it was like a oh, and also the Lotus Breach deck, which was busted. Yeah, and that uh, deck was absurd. Yeah, and then the, before that, we registered blue red uh, Oko or blue red blue green Oko with no black because we thought Veil of Summer was better than Noxious Grasp to so just main deck four veils. And that, in retrospect, was a great choice, too. Yeah. Yeah, those sound like two really good deck choices to me. Um, right, Oko, obviously busted card. Um, yeah, that was, that, that was the... Yeah, that tournament was unreal. Yeah. I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, there was a, like a food version that played Cat Oven. Yeah. Um, Oko, that was like one team found and played to great success. So, like... Maybe you could have found that, but that was so unlikely that you made the best decision you could, right? Yeah, the cat food deck was actually like only with well, it didn't have Oko, I don't think. Oh, it, it was did only not. no, and it was the it was only discovered by one team at the Pro Tour, and so like the next day at the GP, it was everywhere. Mm -hmm, yeah, because it wasn't played in the Pro Tour except by one team, if I recall. I thought it played Oko, but I could be mistaken. I could be wrong too. Yeah, which Anyways, it's been a while. Doesn't really matter. Um, our our team, the best deck of that tournament at the Strix Seven Championship, turned out to be uh, the Velamachus Turns deck, which some people in our team found some early versions of, uh, and I I dismissed it. I'm like, this looks like a meme to me, right? This doesn't look good. And we I played against it a bunch with Phoenix, and I I crushed it. I crushed that deck, um, but they didn't find Nezahal, um, which was really good in that matchup instead of the Velamachus. So I, I kind of feel like if I put maybe put some time into the turns deck, maybe we could have gotten there and had the actual best deck, not the perceived best deck. Um, yeah, it, uh, but it's no, hard. Like, yeah, Pro Tours are so weird now because there's so much data before them. Like, you almost always know what the most played deck's going to be, or at least, like, the second most played deck. And I remember, like, early Pro Tours I played, it's like, you have no clue what people are going to show up with. And I've played some bad decks at Pro Tours. And nowadays, it feels like the floor is higher on, like, what you show up with for the most part, because there's so many good lists out there. You could just copy it, and, like, you're only going to be, like, 10 cards wrong or something. But, yeah, it's just super weird these days with the, the Pro Tours. So you have uh, two regional slots locked up because of your results at the face opens. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Um, yeah, uh, one of the first people to get two. Uh, first person to get one of the... Uh, I'm messing up my words, but I was part of the first group to get their first one because I believe Edmonton was the first event. Yeah, it was that awarded them. Yeah, um, and then I believe Toronto, the face to face in Toronto, was the second event. Yeah, uh, and then Regina was third. Um, I don't know if any people from Toronto went to Edmonton or Edmonton Toronto, but even if are you going to play both? On, yeah, I'm planning to play both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm currently in the position where I have one qualification locked up, just looking to get the other. And I, I will also play both. Yeah. 
So you're in a really good spot to, to qualify for the pro tour. Are you going to like, how seriously are you going to treat these regional championships? Do you think, are you going to treat them like a GP or are you going to like treat it like somewhere between a GP and a PT? Uh, I'm going to take them as seriously as I can with school. Um, right. My first goal is going to be to get my schoolwork done uh, to as, to the best degree I can. But basically all my free time past that is going to be testing for these events. Um, I really, I want to get back, right? Uh, that first experience was, it was so good and it's got me, <laughs> it's kind of got me enthralled, right? Do you know who you're going to test with for the regional events? Uh, I don't know yet. I don't know if anyone is thinking that quite that far ahead yet. Um, right, I don't think the kind of PPTQ store level events have started quite yet even. They're starting soon, but... Yeah, two weeks, I think. Yeah. So once once some of those start going and finishing and people get more qualifications around, um, I will be on the hunt for people. Okay. All right. Uh, one thing I wanted to just mention about the podcast is that it is sponsored by face-to-facegames.com. So if you're looking for any magic singles and you want to support the podcast, please just go buy cards from face-to-facegames.com. They always have a really good sale every week, and sometimes you can find some pretty crazy sales. Like every once in a while, they're like, this type, like creature, planeswalker, land, or like cards of this edition are all really cheap. So if, just keep an eye out for the sales. They're always different, and, and usually they're pretty good. And I think the other thing is that if you're – a store looking to run these regional championship qualifiers or you're a player who wants your local stores to start running these events, I think you should just reach out to your local store and get them to go to face-to-facegames.com. All the information to run these events is on the website. And if you're looking for any communication, there's a contact us section. You can speak to someone about maybe like what is going on fully. I think it's explained pretty well on the website, but if you're a player and you want your stores to run these events, Sometimes you have to give them a push just because the information is out there, but maybe they don't know it is. Because I know a lot of stores that or people who have stores in their area and they're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that they don't have one of these. And maybe they just missed it because as far as I know, there's still those kits are able to be bought. I'm not sure if they're able to be bought for this season, but certainly for next season, I think if you want your stores to run these, you, get, you should get on it. And you could even help them by pointing them to the website. Yeah, PPTs, that's kind of what I'm calling them, uh, are really great. Uh, that's kind of how I started in competitive magic, right? Like, Moto was my first real kind of competitive arc, but I, I attended a lot of PPTQs, and yeah, seeing familiar faces around the city is really cool, um, right? You go to one in South Edmonton, and you see the same people as in North Edmonton. It's like, that is, that is a good feeling to kind of be part of that community. Yeah. It, I, I really hope some of that develops here too. Yeah. The regional championship qualifiers do a great job as the PPTQs did in past of like creating local competitive magic scenes and like local magic scenes have other natural paths to like succeed be it like commander super popular they have commander knights fnm whatever format their fnm is and uh, just other magic knights but 
this really helps gear some players into a competitive format. And that can be like a really good thing to like get people to buy singles, get people to like get other people out to go to these events, travel. And I think it's a great thing to do for your community. Yeah, for sure. Like I know personally where I live, I would be like upset if one of my stores didn't run one of these events when they have the capacity, like it would, it would suck. It would. And so like when these got announced, I immediately DM'd every store on Facebook. I sent them the link and was like, Hey, you can sign up for these, please sign up. Like I'll make sure people come. Yeah. Yeah. I I think they're going to be great events. Yeah, me too. Unfortunately you can't play in them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I will probably end up running one at the store I work at. Do you think um, you'll go to you'll go to bird any of them? I know that when I already had a qualification locked up, I in the PPTQ era, as I did go to a few of them just to hang out. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I'll do that. Um, I tend to work Saturdays, and then I like to play challenges and PTQs on Moto on Sunday. Okay. Um, so we'll see if there's maybe no PTQs going on on a Sunday. Maybe I'll go. But, yeah, we'll okay. see. What events are next for you, Andrew? Uh, so tomorrow I drive down to Calgary for the event the day after. Um, that is, yeah, looking for a trophy, right? I've got, an, I've got a top eight. I've got a second place. I'd like a trophy. Um, obviously, that is a very high goal. So I don't know. I'm hoping to hang out with some friends and play some good magic. I think at this point, after a top eight, a second, I think you're allowed to start trophy hunting. Yeah. You already have the invitations locked up. I think you can start calling shots and I think uh, people are going to have to give it some respect. Uh, That's good to know. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. So So that'll be next. Uh, and then I, there's, I believe, a Pioneer PTQ on Moto the week after. So I'll okay, play that. Okay. Is there anything, like, anybody you want to shout out, like any friends or teammates or people who, like, I don't know, you love? Some of your friends you love, anyone you want to shout out? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, the entire Cabal, who I mentioned, a uh, bunch of great people in there from all around the world. Um, Ash, specifically. Um both for being a great friend and for driving, doing a lot of driving to different events. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, My parents who supported my magic so much when I was young and still do, right? Big thanks to them as well. Andrew, I hate to break it to you, but I think you're still young. Uh, Oh, yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) I, I maybe feel, maybe look older than I am, but... Call, call yeah. me when you hit 30 and your bones start to hurt and you like go do any physical activity and you have to like go to physio the next day. I, or, that's my I life. That. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds rough. <laughs> I don't, I don't look forward to it. I don't get any younger no matter what I do. <laughs> yeah. It, I hear, I hear there's a, a thing called the fountain of youth that'll do that for you, but no, no one's found it yet, so I don't uh, know how if, much luck you'll have. If there is, I'm sure it's out of my price range at the very least. <laughs> That's true, too. E- Elon Musk probably has it, right? Maybe yeah, Bill yeah. Gates. yeah. If someone does, it's got to be one of those vampires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Andrew, I appreciate you uh, taking the time on the podcast. I hope 
that people just kind of get to know you a little bit better. And uh, next time they see you top eight an event, they're going to be like, I remember that guy. Someone knew that he was going to keep doing this first. And it's going to yeah. be the search for tomorrow podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, if I was able to bet on your results for the event and I could bet you winning the event, I think I would toss it out there. I think if anyone has a good shot, I would take you versus anyone at the moment. Well, uh, my friend Ash will be playing. He's he's actually won an event already, so he well, might who be hasn't won bet. an event. Hmm? Well, who hasn't won a face to face event? Me. <laughs> so far, but by the so time far. this comes out, you will that, have won an event. I hope that would that would be awesome. That would be that would be a pretty cool conclusion. Is that by the time this comes out, there'll be like an asterisk or like a thing at the end. You know, when it's like. Two years later, like Billy went on to be a producer, and it'll be yep. like three days later, Andrew went on to win the face-to-face event in Calgary. That that would be sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Andrew. Uh, I appreciate your time, and uh, thanks anyone for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you want to support it, subscribe to the YouTube. Just watch the video. Tell your friends to watch the video. Listen to the podcast. And shop at face-to-facegames.com. That's the best way to support the cast if you like what it's about and what's going on. So I appreciate it. And uh, see you next time.